Well, good morning, everybody. Hello, friends online today. It's great to have you with us on this second Sunday of October. And uh, we're here in uh, the Abundant Life series, and we're, we're so grateful you've decided to join us uh, for an hour or so online and to sing with us and to hear a great message and to, prayer with, to pray with us. Uh, and also, we're going to be receiving communion together in a little bit, uh, as I say each week. And, and in case you have forgotten, if you haven't gotten your elements for communion already, uh, you, you might want to go do that now. Go ahead and get to your kitchen, find some bread, find some juice, whatever you have, and we'll receive communion, and we'll pray, and we'll be a community together. So make sure you do that. Uh, also, if you're home and you're online, you can go to ccmonline.org for information. Uh, you can go to ccmonline.org slash give to give in the offering later on. Uh, and then you can also uh, go on Facebook to put your prayer requests in and to find any information that you might need. So uh, for everybody that's online, we say welcome to you. All right. Good morning. Good morning. How sweet it is. How sweet it is. <laughs> All right. We're going to do our call to worship. And it's from um, Psalm 63, 2 through 4. And you can read with me. So here I am in the place of worship. Eyes open, drinking in your strength and glory. In your generous love, I am really living at last. My lips brim praises like fountains. I bless you every time I take a breath. My arms wave like banners of praise to you. Whether you want to bow your head or lift your head to heaven with your eyes open wide. All of us need you today, God, creator, healer. Closer than any brother. of our hearts open every single one of us in one way or another. So take a breath and bring to remembrance where you have seen God in your life, where God has made your eyes open enough to be aware of God's never-ending, always-present self. Just bring that right to your mind here. Time when you just had the eyes of your heart open. And thank God here. Thank God for the times that your eyes were open. And even right now, if your eyes are being open to something, just begin to give. God thanks and say, I need this. I need to see the way you see. I need to see with spirit eyes what I would miss if I hadn't asked for my eyes to be open. And then for others of us, we're holding something in God's presence that we know is way too big for our own efforts. So maybe you even want to hold it almost like in your hands as a body prayer to say, Oh God, 
This is God territory right here. And just see that situation fully and hold it in God's loving presence and say to God, open the eyes of my heart so I can see the movement of your spirit in this moment. Don't let me be blind to the ways you want to speak and move and create and uphold. Let me see. Let me see, God. Open the eyes of our hearts. So we come to church with gratitude, things like, uh, I think Elena said yes to address. <laughs> right, right? And I, I found it funny that she said, you just know when you know. I'm like, did you know it about the dude too? Yes, yes, yes. So good. You know, today we're going to be celebrating outside uh, the lion's win in Jesus' name. And... Uh, and, and that, you know, we're going to have some fun in the parking lot. For those of us who are not footballers, um, we'll hang out and talk about art and science and faith and friends. And, and, uh, and then every now and then we'll hear, we'll hear Teshna going, go Lions! <laughs> you will hear me. Yeah. And I want to thank the intentional church group who prepared this day for us to be able to do a tailgate. And spend some time together, you know, it's going to be fun. Don't miss it if you didn't bring your food. Um, McDonald's is right down the street and, uh, or, you know, maybe you can beg. I, Scott, I said to Scott, I said, we're going to be reliant on somebody else beating us today because I did not bring anything, but there might be enough time to run to save a lot. Okay. So I want to thank God for these gifts, right? And, and we also realize that we come today with friends of ours who have headed from earth to heaven. Uh, Trish made her passageway last Monday, and the celebration of her life will be Tuesday. And so we're holding these realities of both celebration and, um, and grief together. And a lot of people don't think you can do both, but um, I've told you the story that when our son went to heaven, Uh, Scott was downstairs, and he was crying, and then he was laughing, and then he was shouting praises, and then he was crying, and Sarah was um, just a little bit over um, seven, and she said, I think Dad's really mixed up, and I said, yeah, it's all in there, right, And, and to be a family that's willing to be together in it all really matters i got to tell you, I love having people to celebrate with, and I love having people to cry with. So I'm glad we're here together today, and we can pray. Yesterday, we know that there were some things that happened in our world 
And so we're going to get to pray about those together today in all the ways that we can. I'll read the uh, lowercase, not in bold, and then if you would reply all together as a church body these words as we pray for our world. So I think what you'll see then, instead of seeing bold really clearly, is that I'll read that what is not italicized, and you all will read what's italicized. God, things are changing. The world is changing. We feel uncertain and shaky. We feel anxious. Questions have arisen that we've never had to deal with before. Give us wisdom. Shifts in culture and technology have brought problems we've never had to face before. Give us discernment. We are divided in our opinions of how to move forward. We want unity. We disagree on policy. We want compassion. We know that the, ki- that the kingdom that Christ began on earth is progressing. The good news is expanding. Let's go back and feel that in our bones. We know that the kingdom that Christ began on earth is progressing. The good news is expanding. Thanks be to God. The momentum of your will being done on earth as it is in heaven is unstoppable. Even as all around us changes, your love endures forever. Even in war, climate change, social media, cultural shifts, your love endures forever. Even in theological and political disagreement, your love endures forever. Help us. Help us. Oh, God, help us to love one another as never before, better Better than than before. before. Help us not to be defensive or closed-minded, but but open open to the kingdom kingdom coming coming in unexpected unexpected ways. ways. Amen. Amen. And together, friends, we pray for our friends. Jody's daughter, Jenny, Lord, in your mercy, you hear our prayers. For Trish and her family, Lord, in your mercy, you hear our prayers. For Helen's continual healing journey, Lord, in your mercy, you hear our prayers. For abundance for Crossroads families, Lord, in your mercy, you hear our prayers. For peace that passes understanding. Just breathe that one in, friends. For peace that passes understanding. Lord, in your mercy, you always hear our prayers. For the people on the Gaza Strip, for all those who make war in God's name, for the protection of all the children, all the babies, all the people who are people of peace that want no war, and even for those who are making war, 
We pray for your kingdom to come and convert them. Lord, in your mercy, you hear our prayers. And for the peace of Israel, Lord, in your mercy, you hear our prayers. For friends who need you, Lord, in your mercy, you hear our prayers. I wish my dad didn't have to work on Sundays. Lord, in your mercy, you hear our prayers. So everyone just lifting up your prayers to God here. Whatever is on your heart, you're just in the right place to breathe in the goodness of God, to breathe in the faithfulness of God. Before there was a word on your tongue, God knew it full well. And every prayer that's in your heart means that you're turning God's way and God is having a conversation with you. So hear our prayers, we pray. In the name of the Father, the powerful name of Jesus, the Son, and the Holy Spirit who inhabits us to do the work of the kingdom on earth. And would you show us how we might be the answer to someone's prayer today? And give us the courage to go there and do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together and remember the meal that Jesus shared with friends and betrayers. The meal that Jesus talked about his body broken, his lifeblood poured out, and a covenant that would be for everyone who would come to the table and open their lives to this living bread. The life of Christ is with you now. And in this wine and in this bread, we say, Jesus, we remember you. Jesus, we remember you. And we pray that your life would not only nourish us and strengthen us, but would sustain us to be the people of God, the body of Christ on earth. Amen. You're welcome to come. Well, my friends, my friends. This is the time of the day where we get to pray for a couple important things. First of all, our amazing kids who are about to go up to Kids Church. It looks like we got a bunch of kids here today, which is awesome. And so, um, so parents, after we pray, you'll just go up the stairs in the cafe and folks will be able to help you out from there. But we'll pray for them together in just a second. And we're also going to pray for our offering together. And we're able to give into our offering today in the baskets up front. And of course, if you're able, you can give online at ccmonline.org slash give. And also you could text your dollar amount to 84327. So whichever is easiest for you. But the purpose of when we bring up offering in these ways you can give is because this is our community work together. 
This is what we're doing together, and, and not only in, in prayer and in worship and in serving, but also in the ways that we can give to make sure that the work of Crossroads continues to happen. So can we pray? Let's pray together for our kids and for this offering today. God, how much uh, we're grateful for this day, for this day where we, we get to celebrate and have some fun with one another and learn about abundance. And so, God, we pray, first of all, for our kids and for all that they're going to learn about your love for them, all they're going to learn about the the plans that you have for them today and the ways that they're going to experience just joy from the teachers that are up there. We pray blessing, we pray protection, and we pray love to be upon them. And, God, we pray for this offering as we give into it today, uh, God, that uh, you would bring the increase, and, God, that you would help us to be able to minister to the needs of people here in Marshall throughout this region and throughout the world. God, you're so good to us, and so we give back joyfully with what we're able to give today. And it's in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit we pray, and we all say amen. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Crossroads, and a special welcome if you're brand new today. We're so excited you're here, and we would love a chance to meet you. You can come visit us at the Next Steps kiosk or online at ccmonline.org slash new. And we would love to connect with you today. And you're here on a very special day. We're having a tailgate after service today. So super excited about that. Um, before I get to the announcements, a couple little instructions about that. Um, we have food pantry on um, Monday. And so before we head out to the parking lot, we're going to rearrange this room real quick for um, food pantry. Uh, this part of the room we're going to leave set up um, because we have some events um, this week that we need those chairs for. But this side we're going to set up for food pantry. So if you can do that for a few minutes after service and then we'll head on out to the, um, the parking lot um, for the tailgate. Um, just so you know, if you're in high school or middle school, Jaquil and I got you. We have the white party van out there and we have pizza we're feeding you and we have pop and we have games. So um, just so you know, come see us. Okay. Um, not that everything isn't lovely out there. It is. There's all kinds of great stuff. Um, also, for Food Pantry, we just want to say thank you. We were so excited. We um, had uh, over $1,500 come in last month for our Food Pantry. You guys are amazing. Um, so that more than covered our bills. So thank you so much. And it's so great because we can roll that extra over into the next month and then even get some special things that we'd like to get for them that we don't normally have the money for. So Thank you, and keep it up. That is awesome. Um, food pantries tomorrow night. If you'd like to uh, volunteer, you can show up anytime um, after 5 o'clock, or if you'd like um, some food assistance, we'd love to help you anytime from 5.30 to 7.30. And also coming up, we have a, a Bible study slash class with Samuel Marks. It starts um, on October 11th, so that's this Wednesday. It's a Wednesday night class. You can attend in, the per- in person or online via Zoom if you can't make it in um, midweek, but you want to be part of that. Um, you can sign up on our website so you can get the Zoom link at, at uh, ccmonline.org slash events. And lastly, um, we have baptism coming up too on October 15th. So if that's something you'd like to do and um, take your next steps and publicly declare your, your faith in God, um, we would love to celebrate with you with baptism. And you can sign up again on our website. And... Um, oh, lastly, uh, a volunteer need we have um, for cleaning. Um, we've had some folks that have had to um, move to other locations that we're helping in that area. So we need some help keeping our beautiful building in shape. So if you can do that, you can see um, Jill or give her a call or email during the week. So that's what's happening at Crossroads.
Thanks, Stacy. Hey, another note, uh, real quick. So, people like Claire and I, we knew we were going to show up and think, oh man, we didn't bring anything to eat. So, uh, those of you that haven't brought anything to eat, there will be hot dogs uh, in the parking lot uh, for your enjoyment. Um, we, we, we knew that there would be some folks that might be new or some people that might have forgotten. And then there was people like Claire and I. So yeah, there's hot dogs. And, uh, and then, then you're on your own. You'll have to graze through the parking lot and try to find somebody that's generous, all right? But uh, I've been told that AJ, is AJ in here? Or is he out? Oh, AJ's here. So he's our hot dog cooker. I don't know if he's already done that, but he's really good at cooking food. Yeah, if I were to say I was doing it, you probably would want to ignore that station. Anyway, so last week we started talking about um, the abundant life. We want to keep going down that road. And, um, you know, one of the things that is really important uh, for us is, as as a church, and always has been, is uh, we think that it's God's desire that you and your family would do well. We, we, we don't, we're not naive enough to think, and we say this all the time, right, that everybody's got a perfect life. But we do have as a thread, and always have had and always will have as a thread, is this sense that we want to help you grow um, and, and to prosper and to do as well as you can, that you would live fully into the design God made for you. And we recognize uh, that that means a lot of different things, but one of the things that we're talking about during this Abundant Life series is just your resources, your financial life. And I think that when we have these kinds of conversations, sometimes it can feel like, oh, well, where's the catch? Uh, The church is just going to, you know, this is ultimately going to be about the church. I want you to know that... um, we love each other together, that you can't do poorly and the church to overall prosper. Does that make sense? And vice versa. It's like we're all in this together. So I would say this, uh, there's one statement that Jesus makes more than a lot. There's a phrase that he says in one way or another, and he simply says this, for uh, he or for those that have ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit is saying. Jesus says that seven times, and it's, it's actually quoted in the New Testament because it's said a lot in the book of Revelation, for instance, 14 times. But Jesus makes this comment seven times. So I would say to you, especially when it comes to things like finances and the way that you live into your generosity and the way that you plan for your financial future or the way that you're just trying to survive from week to week or day to day, always be listening to what the Spirit is trying to say to you. There's nothing more important when it comes to really any subject that Jesus kind of moves into and finances and your abundant life is one of those. Jesus talks about finances a lot, more than, some would say more than almost any other subject, because it so reflects how we're doing and how, you know, the different struggles that we have. But anyway, um, I just want to really encourage all of us to hear what the Spirit is saying. 
I believe so much in the creativity and innovation of God that when any subject matter is being talked about, that God wants to speak to you. You ever been there before where someone was talking and then, like Claire and I laugh because we'll quote people and find out that they never said that. You know what I mean? We'll be doing like a presentation, say so-and-so said, and it's like, no, I can't find it. I Googled it. It's not on Wikipedia, you know. And people will say, they never said that. Where'd you get that? It's like, well, we heard them say something or we read something. And what happens is the Holy Spirit speaks to you. So through this series in particular, I'm really believing that God is going to do some creative things for you. Some innovative things for you because nobody knows your life besides God like you do. So just be listening for what God might have to say to you. Now, uh, I want you to do, we kind of started with a practice last week, and, um, oh, I'm sorry, I was looking for my time clock. I I rarely look at a time clock. I mean, it's up there usually, and then the week I want it, it's not there, so (laughs) Lord have mercy on all of us. I, I got a good idea where I should be done. Anyway, I'm trying to be a good person. I could talk about this stuff for a while. Okay, Claire, Claire will be going like this. If you guys see that and I'm ignoring it, just go. Everybody at the same time. <laughs> anyway, so uh, one of the things that uh, we're trying to do during this series is to try to help you with some practical things. So last week we just talked about, you know, what would you like to give as an inheritance? And I want to break that down a little bit more. And I want you to take a moment. You can write this down. You can put it on your phone or text to yourself or something. But let's get a little more specific. Um, What would you like to leave as an inheritance? That's uh, one question. What would you like to give away? What would you like to give away? Some of you, I'm asking you questions that you think about all the time, but some of us maybe not so much. Or maybe we haven't thought about these things in a long time. So what would you like to give away? Like what level of generosity? That might be a number. That might be a percentage. And what amount would you like to live on in this day, this moment of your life? What do you think is good? Like I kind of chuckle about this because um, when Claire and I were early in our marriage and I was doing an electrical apprenticeship, I remember at one point I was just getting ready to get my take my journeyman's test as an electrician, but I was still an apprentice and I was making $5 an hour. I'm pretty old. Anyway, um, I thought $5 an hour was a fair shake. Uh, no benefits, uh, but it was the benefit of learning. I was learning how to be an electrician, which I thought was a huge benefit. And it was just a gift of God to have that job. And then my boss, uh, one Christmas, he said, I'm doubling your pay, 5 to $10 an hour. And I thought, who would ever need more money than this? <laughs> like, I, this is absurd how much money I'm going to be making. I mean, Claire and I were used to having $100 a month rent, including all the utilities. It's worth every penny of that. And, um, but I thought, who would ever need? So anyway, uh, how much is enough? It's a good question to ask, I think. Like, what if, you, what if something crazy happened and all of a sudden God did answer some of those prayers you had and you have this, like, windfall of money? How much is enough? Um, the, the first billionaire in the United States, John D. Rockefeller, imagine this, John D. Rockefeller 
owned 90%, he had control over 90% of the oil industry in the United States at one point, 90%. Along with that, railroads and all sorts of stuff. He was the first billionaire in the United States. They asked him one time, how much is enough? And he said, just a little bit more. And I, I think that it's important for us to think about how much is enough. Like, how much is enough for you? And is there a figure? Because if the answer is just a little bit more, that really affects the way we live. Like, if you ever got to that place, would you just keep bringing in more for yourself, or would you be more generous? Anyway, so a couple of uh, defining of terms here real quick. Uh, We're going to talk about metrics, or I'll mention metrics. Now, metrics, for our terms and definitions, is simply a method of measuring something. That's all it's about, okay? Um, In the paper that I wrote recently, I, I wrote this. I said something about it last week. If you missed last week, check it out. I think it'll be helpful for you in some ways. Um, But anyway, when I think about the resources, first of all, I notice that I have a typo in here. Um, I'll tell you when it comes up because it's kind of funny. It's the exact opposite thing I wanted to say. But anyway, when I I do that all the time anyway. But uh, when I think about resources, spirituality, and legacy, imagining a more critical and fertile evaluation ground for my loving God, neighbor, and self is complex. Who is my neighbor if those closest to me are not my neighbor? Single generation wealth, which we talked about last week in defining terms, we're defining that as poverty. That when, when somebody can't pass not just money, money's a part of it perhaps, but we talked about riches being like perishable resources or perishable things, items, but Wealth being something more than that. We can pass on our character. But poverty is this thing where a person or people have to live in this place where they're not, because they're just trying to survive. They're perhaps um, in a country where they're spending 50% of their day just trying to get a drink of water. Um, They're not really thinking about being transgenerational. They're just trying to survive, right? Single-generation wealth creates mindsets and systems that ultimately lack the care and the goodness that God intends. So I think as Christ followers, those are things that we always need to be kind of considering. Like how can we, as people that live in, there's a little dispute around this, but at at the worst, we live in, no matter what income level we're at, even if we're on uh, public assistance or something, we need to understand we're in the top 4%. Most of us live in the top 2% of the people in the world. So when you think about, when you hear those conversations about, oh, there's the 1%, well, most of us live in the top 2% in the world. But we, you know, anyway. um, So there's a responsibility that comes with that. It shouldn't be a shaming thing. It's like, what's my responsibility in all of this? All right? Um, It is vital to ensure our neighbor is fed, but it makes sense not less sense or whatever that word is. I scratched it out and laughed. Uh, But it makes sense to invest in these things that can break cycles of poverty in our neighbor's lives. Amen? What can we do as a people to help? Or we might say, I'm in that spot. Well, we want to be a community where we're all 
trying to move forward and be blessed in, according to God's plan and however that can look, right? I'm resistant to thinking that metrics can measure spirituality and healthy formation. As soon as a metric can be applied, I'm convinced we'll figure out a way to fool the system to appear the whole and holy, to appear whole and holy even if we aren't. However, there are, I believe, signposts worthy of our attention. Because Jesus, and now we're going to go into the scripture, and you'll see that. There's these scriptures and these things, these parables, especially that Jesus would talk about. And it's like he seemed to set up, not like this direct metric, because we really do. Like if you read in Matthew 23, you see at one point Jesus is confronting, like, If there were a clear metric on, like, your financial health or your whatever it would be, like, um, if there were a definite metric, we would try to figure that out. Like, if there were a giving metric, for instance. Now, some people want to say that it's tithing, um, and I think it's great to tithe. Uh, Never have. Uh, Always felt, Claire and I have always felt invited to be more generous than that. But if you want to tithe, I think that's wonderful. I just think you should always be challenged to grow. So Jesus says it this way to the Pharisees in Matthew 23, because they're like saying how awesome they are. They got it figured out. They got the metrics of the kingdom figured out. And And Jesus says, they say, well, you know, shouldn't we do this? And one of the things he talks about is tithing, essentially. And he says, you should do that, but you should do so much more. Because for some people... 1% might be giving over the top at this point in their life. But for them, Jesus is like, this is not some kind of metric. It's how the kingdom works. The invitation is to generosity, to growth in generosity. So anyway, this is what Jesus says in Matthew 25. Thanks for that clock, guys. You're awesome. Again, it will be like a man going away on a journey. This is a parable, that one of the many parables that Jesus said. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag. Each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put the money to work and gained five more bags. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid the master's money. Pay attention to verse 19. We we might not get to it today, but we'll circle back around to it for sure. After a long time. The master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. The master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. He said, master, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. Some of you might be familiar with the version that just says talents. It's essentially the same thing. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came and said, Master, uh, 
I knew that you're a hard man, harvesting where you'd not sown, gathering where you'd not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. See here, this is what belongs to you. The master replied, you wicked, lazy servant, so you know that I harvest where I've not sown, gather where I've not scattered, then you should have put your money, my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold and give it to the one who has ten bags, for whoever has more will be given. Doesn't seem very fair. The conversation here, um, like even talking about gold, the reason why uh, there's so much conversation around financial is it's easier for us to wrap our arms around a financial conversation when it comes to our life. But what's really being talked about here, and that word talent, when it's used in this portion of Scripture, actually might be closer to uh, being what, what I would think at least uh, the most accurate space of this. It's kind of your, whole, your, your resources. Like to get five talents, is, it's not only your money, it's your life and what you've been given. And then, uh, anyway, so just think of this conversation more along the lines of just the, the generosity of God in your life. Like when the master in this story, Jesus uses that terminology, gives, uses this as an example of giving five bags of gold, there's, there's this, it's still the master's gold. But he entrusts it to this person to bring a return. And Jesus does this over and over and over again in Scripture. He, he, he uses it, especially in parables, where he uses this example of, so you get these things, and what's the return? Now, uh, defining another term here, stewardship is simply uh, stewardship or caretaking. Think of it as caretaking. Stewardship is just the responsibility of taking care of stuff. Think about all the stuff you have, the, the stuff of your life, your career maybe, your education. Think about the money that you have. Think about, you know, the apartment you live in or the home you live in, the car you drive. And understand that when it comes to scripture, and, and when you talk about stewardship or caretaking, the, the biblical flow is it's, it's always somebody else's, but think about it in terms of it's usually somebody else's. Like, how do you steward somebody else's? Because we talk about ownership, and I, I talk about ownership as well, like, you know, I tell people, yeah, we own a house, although the bank owns part of our house. But ultimately, scripturally, it, it's very clear that we really don't own anything. We pass through this world, and we are stewards. And that's what this story is. We're caretakers over what Jesus gives. We're caretakers of the time, 
that we get. We're caretakers over the talents we've been given. We're caretakers over the treasures, the resources. We're caretakers over the relationships we've been given, the faith we've been given, the responsibilities we've been given, the knowledge and wisdom you've been given, and I've been given character, values. Those are all things that we steward over, right? And here, there seems to be this flow scripturally where it's, it's really good to tend to those things, steward over those things, caretake over those things in a way that brings some kind of increase. I don't know if you guys are very familiar with Chick-fil-A. Um, I, I'm one of those guys that I love different business models. I probably don't study them as much as I, I used to, but like I'm really intrigued by, I, I always felt like it was helpful as a pastor um, and the role and responsibilities I had, part of that was for me to understand some kind of systems and business systems. And I've always been intrigued by certain businesses. And Chick-fil-A is one of those businesses. It's always been, I, you know, I don't know what you think of Chick-fil-A one way or another. It's not about that. It's about Chick-fil-A as a business system. So anyway, I don't even know how this happened. At one point, I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of curious. They were getting ready to put a bunch of Chick-fil-A's in Michigan. So I put my name in a hat. Like, I want to I find out what this is about. Like, they were having this deal where they were going to do a presentation, and you could become a Chick-fil-A owner. I thought, I'd like to go to that. So they actually got back with me, and they said, yes, please come. We'd love to have you. So I go up to the JW Marriott. They had just put the, the initial Chick-fil-A's in Michigan. This is like six or seven years ago. So I go up. It's in the JW Marriott, this beautiful conference room. Walk in. There's Chick-fil-A sandwiches everywhere. I mean, it was worth the trip. <laughs> like, yeah, I'll pay for parking if you're giving me some sandwiches, right? It was really first class. There's like 150, 200 people in the room. And they do this presentation. And part of the presentation, part of what I was intrigued by is 10000 bucks. You could become a Chick-fil-A owner. Now, you may not know about franchising or anything, but that's like a deal. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm in. I can do that. I'll steal $10,000 from somebody. <laughs> not really. So we're in this room, they do the presentation, it's a, it's a great presentation. At one point they bring up the first uh, Chick-fil-A owner of a franchise in Grand Rapids, the guy gets up, he'd been like a biochemical engineer or some crazy thing uh, at like uh, one of the pharmaceutical companies and he just said, you know, I got tired of that life and I just wanted to retire but I wanted to keep working so I, I'm a Chick-fil-A owner and the sandwiches you're getting are from me. And I'm listening to this. It's like, this is amazing. Oh, I forgot to tell you. This is, was actually one of the best parts. So I'm sitting there. They give me a book. Everybody gets a book. Eat more chicken. <laughs> and, and part of what I love about Chick-fil-A is if you would just read Truett Cathy's story. The guy's remarkable. He and his wife are just remarkable people. Most generous uh, their, their story is incredible, and their love for people and their generosity is a remarkable story just in itself. And that was part of the attraction, too. It's like, gosh, these people are remarkable people. So, um, oh, so I'm sitting there. I get my book. People are filing in. 
And sure enough, a couple from the church walks in. And they're like, why are you here? Like, is there something we should know? Is our pastor, one of our pastors getting ready to... I just always had a respect for this, curious. And then also in the back of my mind thinking, but on some Sundays. (laughs) So anyway, they go through the presentation. It's a great presentation. And I'm noticing something. And they open it up for questions. And my hand goes up right away and they call on me. And I said, so you really don't own this. Help me understand, right? Like, you don't own this. They have this remarkable, like, system of getting these unreal people, these these incredible people. You got to go through, like, this two-year training process. After they select you, where you go for two years just to learn the Chick-fil-A way, right? Before you're given a store... They, you give them $10,000, they build the building, they stock everything, and then they have this process that begins. However, so I get a franchise, I give you my $10,000, and you give me total kind of autonomy as far as, like, they encourage you to give in the community, be generous, But when I, let's say, get to the end of my career or the end of my life, can I give this to one of my kids? Because the language, it wasn't being said, but I could hear it. And they said, no, you don't give it to your kids. It comes back to us. And then if your child, one of your children wants to be a Chick-fil-A, they can try to become a Chick-fil-A owner. And they said, well, technically then we're, we're just stewards of the company. We're very highly gifted people that you've invited, except for me. And it gives you this incredible pool because the bar seems in some ways very low. But when it's all said and done, I've, I've just been a really high-paid high executive of a local sandwich shop. That's really impressive. But I'm kind of, in a way just stewarding the Chick-fil-A for you. And the guy that was doing the presentation, he says, yeah, I guess you could describe it that way. And I sat down and I thought, this is brilliant. This is such a brilliant business. I didn't want to be a part of it. Because I wasn't looking to be a high-paid executive. But what an amazing... I wonder where they got that from. And then I realized, this is just our story. We're invited into these amazing rooms. We're invited to learn the family business. Remember, Jesus said at one point, Do business until I come. We get all kinds of benefits. We get amazing autonomy to run our 
little franchise, however we want to run it. We can be as generous with the community as we want. We can be as loving toward the people that are working in our franchise as we want. But it's not ours. And people are lining up to get a shot at that. How much more should we be lining up to get a shot at that in the kingdom of God? What a privilege to be able to take the gifts that we've been given, the resources that have been handed out to us so generously, the call on our lives as individuals and corporately, and be able to steward over that. My friends, we are not owners, but we are on this incredible adventure. The most remarkable endeavor that the world has ever seen, and it's called the kingdom of God. And God is giving each one of us this beautiful opportunity to participate in it in a way that kind of would blow our mind if we would just pay more attention to it. Have you ever dreamed of owning a business or running a business? That's the invitation. You and I are caretakers, stewards. And I want to leave with this scripture. It's not in the slides. And then I'm just going to ask you a question to take for the week. I want you to, if you wouldn't mind, just close your eyes um, if you're okay with that. And I just want to read this scripture over you. And I want you to put it in the context of God has opportunities for you and me that we can trust in and we can also rejoice in. Psalm 16, verse 5 through 7, this is what it says. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart will instruct me. Let's just sit with that scripture for a few seconds, and then I want to read it again to you. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. So this week, I just want to leave you with this question for all of us, myself included. And it's the question at the end of the slides. How are you planning to bring increase to what you've been given? I want you to take that question this week and begin to explore it. Maybe some of you have already been exploring it, but I want you to explore it afresh and anew this week. And We'll come back next week and we'll continue our conversation. Let's read it together. How are you planning to bring increase to what you have been given? God, let the spirit of increase 
flow over not just this room, not just those that are watching us online, but to our children and our children's children, biological and spiritual, God. Let us make a difference in this world. Amen. God bless you, God.